WTLB Utica, WRNY Rome. This is ESPN Radio Utica Rome, now on 96.5 FM. This is the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. Radio. Well, first of all, we're going to be talking about the New York Yankees today, so I'll thank William Matar in a car. Call William Matar, 444-4444. And also, Yankees on Deck is back tonight at 6 o'clock right here on ESPN Radio all across central New York from Froen Sun Funeral Home, Pathfinder Bank, and the Killebrew Saloon. Uh, that'll be Matt, the glue guy, and myself, myself being Rain. So I'm ready to talk about... I'm not, because that was just what happened. The trade deadline messed them up, too, man. What a getaway day down in Tampa, 14 to nothing. Uh, brings me to Spencer Davidson, WKTV Sports Director, who's also in here with us. Yeah, ESPN Radio, Sportzilla Show, and up at QSportsTalk.com. So, wow, what a, what a day. What a day, indeed. What a, what a time in sports. Happy it's, Friday, right? I'm like, whoa! Everything is happening at once. When you say, it's like... Uh, Orange juice that's concentrated. You remember when you get that little frozen thing and then you have to add the water to filter that out a little bit? And the pulp's still in there. There's just so much going on. Pulp. And I also wanted to shout out to D Wade. And I know he went to Marquette and I'm a big fan of his game, but I never liked Marquette anyways. That's the Golden Eagles um, home school where all these players played college ball. And that's who's up next for Bayheim's Army, where we're going hard in Hour number two, the three o'clock hour. I'll pause right there. Say hello to everybody. How you guys doing? Uh, why was July 29th the busiest day in sports? You know the answer to the question, right? Well, yeah, but usually it's July 1st, isn't it? It's in a normal schedule? Because well, you have NHL free agency, yeah. NBA free agency, Bobby Bonilla day. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah, it is. Bobby Bonilla day. <laughs> and I love me some free agency, but Bobby Bonilla day. I mean, come on. You know, I, I, I went back and forth. Do I want him to keep it? Do I want the Mets to just kind of buy him out and be done with it? But I'm like, no. No, it's just gotta some, keep it. It's, you gotta keep it. It's jump the shark. It's a national holiday now. It's a parody of itself. Yeah, you don't even have to be a Mets fan to enjoy it. You guys, there is so much to talk about today. But before we get into does it matter? Before we get to Damon Mendelara with Orange Fizz, CBS Radio, and Q Salum at two thirty on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line, or before we talk to Michael Lear, Jeremy Pope, who's the head coach of Bayheim's Army, and Devo, um, yeah, he's playing in the tournament. I just want to remind everybody, you're going to hear from Eric Devendorf, Malachi Richardson, and Chris McCullough. TBT Media Availability is happening today. We will be airing that on our Twitch channel at Q Sports Talk at 4 o'clock. Don't forget, we'll remind you. Now, before we get to all that fun, Terrence Clark in the NBA draft last night. Let me kick it over to Spencer. Get us started. It was it was quite a moment. Um, Adam Silver came up to the podium. Uh, you know, I thought at the time he was announcing a trade. And he started to take a moment to honor Terrence Clark, who was a freshman uh, at Kentucky, and he had uh, declared for the NBA draft. And then, ba- and then uh, back in April, he tragically died in a car accident uh, at 19 years old. And uh, obviously, like any any basketball player, his dream was to play in the NBA, and he was going he was to going to be drafted. Uh, he was, he's a very good player. So obviously, you know, just a, a tragedy, a life cut short. But uh, Adam Silver, they had his his mother there, his his sister, and his younger brother there, and um, you know, basically Adam Silver, you know, made him an honorary draft pick and said the words, you know, with the next pick in the NBA draft, the NBA selects Terrence Clark from University of Kentucky. And let me tell you guys, I was not ready for that. I thought he was, like I said, coming up to announce a trade, and then that happened. I watched it live. I had chills. I had goosebumps. 
And quite honestly, I then watched it again uh, when it was posted on Twitter. And when I watched it again and just seeing his mother's reaction as Adam Silver was announcing him as a draft pick, uh, I, I had tears in my eyes, man. Onions. It, as happens in, in a much smaller scale in the smallest to the biggest of communities across this country, you see life's cut short and it hits you in the feelings, man, whether it's as a brother, as a friend, as a family member, as a parent, whatever it is. And that was it was a Len Bias moment for me. The circumstances in what caused Len Bias is passing. And I'm sure we all remember that draft pick. Hey, you as a Celtics fan, I'm sure in the history of that team. Yep. Um, th- th- that aside, that's a young life cut short, way too short. And you just you're chopping onions. You're verklempt. You feel for that family. You empathize with that family straight up. Uh a pure class move by the NBA. Calipari has been, Coach uh, Coach Calipari has been all about remembering him, telling you what a great kid this was, what a promising future he had. Uh, so we don't mean to bring you down and sour the mood on a Friday. But it's another example of why the NBA, to me, is the best-ran organization around. They do everything right, in my opinion. They're the most player-friendly league, I, I think, for sure. And Adam Silver is probably, I think, the poster child for how to be a commissioner of a major sports league. I don't know if you'd agree how with me. How many other commissioners uh, get cheered when they're going up to announce the draft picks? Uh you know, I don't see people cheering Roger Goodell. I don't see uh, people cheering Gary Bettman. I, I definitely don't see people cheering Rob Manfred at this time. It's uh, it, it, it says a lot about Adam Silver and the job that he's doing. Agreed. That He's a commissioner that doesn't get booed. With no Orange Nation today, we're welcoming people as they're coming aboard with us at QSportsTalk.com to join us on Twitch. Get in that comment section. We'll have a lot of fun with it. There it is, ESPN Radio. This is the SportsZilla Show. So, okay, um... We got a lot. I, I'm like overwhelmed. I'm discombobulated. Me too. I think Max Scherzer was traded to the Washington Nationals. <laughs> oh, no, that's where he was. Wait a minute. Is he in training camp with the Giants in the NFL or is it the Patriots? And Russell Westbrook, um, did he sign a free agent deal with the Seattle Kraken? Yeah. It's like you can't keep up with it. Or wait a minute. Russell Westbrook is going to be playing for Bayheim's Army in the tournament. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Everything at once. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 hard to keep track of. But you know what? I would take what is going on right now over what was happening at this time last year, any day and twice on Thursday. Yeah. I, I would have to say, um, let me scream that from the rooftops. Yeah. Because you remember when we had to be the No Sports Illicit Show for a little while? Yes, Pepperidge Farms remembers. We would drive. <laughs> Pepperidge Farms remembers. Ah, glue guy. Nice. Got the mic moment for the glue guy. I'll turn it off. You remember when we were driving here, though, to the radio station, and there's no sports because the pandemic just locked everything down? Well, and on top of you that. You didn't see no, any cars. Yeah. No cars on the street. It was a very weird feeling. Nobody was in the building. Everybody's suddenly working from home. You remember they had a basketball uh, hoop set up in the parking lot. That's how empty the parking lot was. Yeah, on the second and the third floor from where our Sportsilla studios are, it's it's all apartments. And there's a kid that lives up there, and he'd just be out there shooting hoops every day because he couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. It was, it's just the most bizarre time. That brings us to Does It Matter? Let's get the first segment up and running. Matt Page, the glue guy, will ask Spencer Davidson and myself, Rain, some questions. Does it matter? It's the Sportzilla Show with Rain and Matt with WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Does it matter? 
Does it matter that the trade deadline is absolutely nuts in the MLB right now? Yeah, just under two hours That's to correct. go. I, I can't keep up with it. I, I'm like, I have to let it happen and stop so I can digest all of it as you're you're sitting there looking at I mean, straight up blockbusters. Yeah. That's what some of these are. What the Yankees have done with Rizzo and Gallo and maybe one more. And by the way, we still haven't traded Luke Voigt yet. Uh, he's going somewhere for pitching, I think. He has to. They, they got to go pitching now. Yeah. I, I think you got to take Trevor Story off the table now with what you've done. Yeah, yeah. What's the biggest need? You needed to get, you need to lean a little bit back to the left-handed batter's box. And I think that they've done that. Um, yeah, I mean, Gallo's going to strike out, but... All other parts are there. I'm good with Rizzo. I like what he can bring. I the love the Rizzo move. They projected he'd have about 10 more home runs if he played his games in Yankee Stadium this year based on what he's done. I think he's got 14, and Gallo's got 25. He'd have like 35 if he, yeah. if his home stadium was Yankee Stadium. I mean, he hits pop-ups, routine fly balls to right field that are out. Yep. That are out. He's he's just, wow, what he can do. Yeah, he's going to strike out a little bit, but isn't that the game today? I, yeah. I suppose you've got to accept that. But I like the elite defensive ability of him. Uh, there's so much more. Schwarber to Boston. That was a good move for it them. It was a very good it move. It was a good he's move. He's creeping them. back from, I mean, he had like 75 home runs in June. Yeah. yeah. That's what it felt like. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he has had a great bounce back year. And then Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. I'm sorry to Paulie Scabilia. Oh, you like you got the best team you've had in 20 years, and you wait for this moment. But I suggest maybe they need a better fan base, and the president of the New York State Central New York chapter is probably the reason that they're being jinxed. And they're in third place. The Dodgers, with as good as they are, defending champions, probably now the favorite, right? And they're still a few games back from the Giants because they keep losing to the Giants. They're talking about this on SportsCenter today. Yeah, I mean, well, it seems like, you know, it's it's the same situation of, as the, the Yankees. I mean, expected to kind of run the table in their division and haven't uh, performed as well. Now, granted, the Dodgers have had a better year so far than the Yankees, but, you know, the Yankees have had a very tough time with their with their division rivals. And, you know, they just had a good series against the Rays, save for the final game of the series. Obviously, yesterday, we'll, we'll try to forget about that one. But the Yankees have not done well in key AL East matchups, and that's why they're down so far in the division, because they're only a couple games back in the wild card. So they're not out of this thing at all. And I think they did a lot to bolster their offense. You know, having a couple of uh, power hitting lefty at bats now in the lineup, it just makes their lineup so much more formidable now. And so, yeah, like, you know, to your point, Rain, um, it's been kind of the same situation for the Dodgers, who got massive amounts of help yesterday. And obviously, they got rid of Sessa and Wilson, and they brought in Holmes, and ultimately, they gave up a handful of prospects. Right. But they're not paying these salaries, and you've got to give Cashman some credit. You've got proven players. You've given up a possibility in the future. Yeah. And you know what? Some of these guys could end up being great major leaguers, but that's all right because they'll just trade for them again uh, <laughs> once they're established or they become free agents. The Yankees will sign them again because it's just really getting through this year with a luxury tax. He's protected the luxury tax to make Hell Steinbrenner happy and made this team a lot better. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the Yankees fans, of uh, anti-Yankees fans, of course, or go, oh, it's awesome. All these great moves to still not win the World Series. That's yeah. what they're hoping for. Continue quick. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's, I mean, the fact that he's able to get these players without paying them and without giving up their top five prospects, I mean, it's just genius. I absolutely love what Cashman's done so far, you know, this week. We're in uh, Does It Matter here on the Sportsilla show on ESPN Radio. You're with us at QSportsTalk.com. That's where we twitch. Uh, we see a conversation happening. We will address that during our first commercial break, but that's still a few minutes away because the glue guys got another question. You know, don't, I, 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 can I interrupt? I, you, I, I didn't let you talk. Anyways. I didn't let you talk. Um, so 
we got the crazy, insane Major League Baseball deadline. We've got the NBA draft, right? Happened last night. We're still the most f- confusing NBA draft, by the way. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. When we air our grievances, we're going to talk about that with the way they handle the trades. Uh, then you've got TBT, right? We had NHL free agency. We're st- that's still kind of happening and, yep. and all of that. And I know you want to address the Rangers in a little while, but so you got NFL training camps on top of that. It's just all happening at once. Oh, you also have Team USA playing as well. I'm I. Sh- Oh, my mm-hmm. God, there's the Olympics, too. Have I forgotten anything else? I, th- <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's everything. Like, I don't know if I'm even talking about the right sports or players or whether it's a draft or a tournament or a game or uh, I mean, what's going? It's just discombobulated. I'm a mess. Guys, I'm a mess. Everybody is anybody else confused or is this overwhelming? It's, it's definitely a, overwhelming. Spencer, I'll let, let you go. Yeah, no, it, no it, it's overwhelming. I mean, it is, it's so hard to keep track. There's so much to, to watch, so much to, it's like so much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You know what I mean? You ever have one of those days where you're sitting around and you're like, boy, I wish I had something. Kudos some- to you on that Thank one. Thank you. It was good. Thank I, you. I wish I had something to do and I'm sitting around my house and I'm bored. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got something you're looking forward to. And then five more things pile up on that day. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God, that day just got out of control. And and you start to stress it five days before it happens. That's what the last few days have felt like every day. Yep. Um, I apologize for interrupting. I know Luke, I had a question for us. Uh, yeah, does it matter that we're all insane right now? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we're right going to the loony bin right now. Get me out of yes. the straitjacket. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it doesn't have to be right now for me. I'm pretty sure it's just you can leave out the right now. Well, uh, explain to me all the NBA draft trades that happened, please. Uh, they're trying to can figure you? that out in the they're, Twitch yeah. chat right now. I think, yeah. guys. I, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's my head is spinning, and you know we we're able to expand on it a little bit here, but then when I go up to to WKTV, you know, I have like four minutes, and I have a lot of local stuff to talk about too. So just trying to fit everything in and cover everything, I mean, my head is spinning. So this is going to be your basically I can surmise your report on the NBA later. That's, yeah. what, that's what happened. Pretty much, you're going to have to go that fast. I'm going to be like the NBA is a basketball league. Can I just ask about Westbrook to the Lakers? Are we gonna is, is this gonna be like super team? No. Is this I mean, are we gonna hear the same narrative and gonna blame LeBron for this? What a hell of a move. But here's the thing: there's no path for Portland. So what about Damian Lillard? Knicks make a trade. Mm. What do you think? No, seriously, I I mean there's no hope in hell for the port for Portland no. and Dame. And by the time you have a chance to get past the Lakers now, he's in his mid-30s at this point. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like there is a path. Um, what the Lakers it? were hurt last year. Okay. Could that happen again? I, I suppose that is. True. Everyone expected but, the Nets but, to win this season until injury happened. Right. But you also and I and I agree with that. But you also can't sit there in the off season and prepare like it's going to happen. You know, you, you like you obviously correct. Make your team as yeah, best as possible. Right. Like you can't sit there if you're Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers and be like. Oh, you know, I mean, if these guys get injured, you know, we we have a shot. You have to go into the season thinking we have to be able to beat everybody when healthy. And right now, the Portland Trailblazers are nowhere near able to beat the top teams in the Western Conference if they're all healthy. I tell you, they did give up quite a bit for Russell. They got a second round pick in 2024 and 2028, right? Those also go to the Wizards. They only get Russell Westbrook. And you also ship out Kyle Kuzma. Contavious Caldwell Pope and Montrez Harrell. Wow. And he just. 
picked up his option. Are you losing much with Kyle Kuzma though? Eh, uh, honestly, not no, necessarily. Not to get Westbrook. Uh, they've they've got like four players signed though in on the Lakers right now. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but that's all they need with the guys that they have, right? You got to reconstruct that roster. All right, let's get to the kerfuffle that is up next on ESPN Radio and the Sportsilla Show. We're gonna come at you at QSportsTalk.com. We'll get into that Twitch chat. Who's got Twitter beef? Bulletin board material. We've got another Donnie Brook and Athletic Brouhaha. Let's go toe to toe. It's the Sportzilla kerfuffle. Ah, uh, a classic conundrum. It's the Sportzilla show with Rain and Matt with WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. I know you can't see me with the John Cena music, but actually you can. QSportsTalk.com, that's where we twitch. You can hear us on ESPN Radio. Uh, so the Twitch chat is fire right now. We're talking about the Knicks, and uh, Agent Orange came in hot today. Michael's in there. Jason Anthony's in there. Did I say Agent Orange already? Yeah, Kevin's yeah. in there. Uh, there's a few others, but I'd have to scroll back. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Appreciate your contributions to the conversation. I'm saying D Wade uh, playing for the Golden Eagles at some point. Somebody suggested Mellow and TBT, <laughs> but we're really having a conversation about how do the Knicks do? And it was it was confusing. We're going to get to that and, and address the NBA draft in your killing me smalls in I don't know 20 25 minutes. Air a few grievances. We're not really mad about it. It's just it that's the confusing part is the way they announce trades. But yeah, more on that in a minute. But. Now the speculation is that I had said, I think they had four players signed for the Lakers after everything that's gone on with the Russell Westbrook deal and, and the, the players that departed and the, the draft picks and everything else. Perfect spot because yeah, we addressed what was happening in Portland with Damian Lillard. You want to go back there or is it time for an NBA championship on that second unit to score? Is it the mid-level exemption? Is it the veterans minimum? Do you see Mello with the Lakers? Mm. Uh... You know what? Talk amongst yourselves in the Twitch chat. We'll move that there. Anybody okay. that joins us in the Twitch chat, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on the air again, because we got a few kerfuffles to get through, don't we? So, sports beefs, the brouhaha's. NCAA versus super conferences is where I want to start out with Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. And I just want to throw this out there. I, I agree with Jim Beheim, who was talking about it. You've seen his quotes over the past couple of days. He's, he's basically like, do we need him anymore? And yeah, who's going to join the ACC or depart it? I, I mean, the question is with Notre Dame in football, but you're playing them in basketball. You know, I guess they're an X factor in all of this. But ultimately, don't you just do away with this and have super conferences? And then, and I'm sorry to Emmer, but do you need the NCAA after this? I mean, there, listen, it comes down to SEC to ACC. I believe the number I read was it's about an $18 million benefit the SEC teams as compared to the ACC. So if these super conferences form, ultimately, yes, once again, it becomes all about money. Do you over time render the NCAA, NCAA obsolete in this? Uh, I mean, that governing body that they are that screws everything up and makes mistakes left and right. What happens? Yeah, I mean, I think you you, you still need the NCAA for the fact that in order to have all the conferences end up coming together to compete for a national championship, you need some sort of governing body on that front. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the NCAA as it's constructed now um, necessary, but I think that you need that you still need that national governing body that basically encompasses all conferences. However, um, it, it does bother me that it seems like the conferences have more power than the NCAA itself. I don't think I think it should be more like like you see in pro sports where conferences are simply, you know, regionally based divisions 
to be able to determine who kind of breaks out of that that league into for the playoffs because you're not going to have you know one unified national thing because then you know what Syracuse there's too many opponents you can't play against everybody so I think from that standpoint it should conferences should be more like divisions in a league NCAA but, is a paper tiger eventually and these super conferences are the ones that they're they're the Fed. They print the money. It's it, what it feels like. And I'm glad you just brought up Super because it feels like the Super League all over again. Yeah. Is Alabama going to be running this one day because there's a dominant powerhouse? Well, you can perhaps. Cl- we can clearly figure out who these top teams or programs are. The conference they're in right now is irrelevant. Right. You know who the, you know Clemson's in there, right? If you want an ACC representative, you know Bama's in there, and on and on and on. You go, go across the country and you can cherry pick certain teams. Yeah, Ohio you State. Slap them all together. Super yeah. conference. There you go. Uh, you think you're making money now? You're just going to keep making money, and everybody else is going to be left on the wayside. But you can bring it. It's the tent thing, man. You pull it up in the middle. You're going to bring everybody up a little bit. There's just going to be more and more and more money because there's such a passion for the game. Yeah. And ultimately, it just does always boil down to chiching and the money. We're in the kerfuffle on the Sports Illust Show on ESPN Radio. Continue that conversation with us at QSportsTalk.com. We join you during the commercial breaks and reference it quite a bit here on the radio. But we're going to get to Aaron Rodgers in a little bit of a kerfuffle with Green Bay where he went straight office space. That cult classic. Jennifer Aniston, I know she's got the flair and you love her. Fine wine. But here's the thing. It's this scene, and they even parodied it, parodied it in Family Guy. Glue Guy and I laugh about this yes. all the time. They went out there. They had some gangster rap, uh, and they just annihilated that printer and just blasted it to smithereens. And that's what he did. In a sense, Green Bay is the printer in this analogy. And he he just he unloaded on him. He aired his grievances. He went, "You're killing me, Smalls." To the Packers organization, sending nothing but love out to his teammates, former teammates, current teammates. Uh, he name dropped a lot of players. And guess what? Green Bay can't do anything. Would about any other it. player be able to get away with that? How, who else? In, I, I don't think Tom so. Brady, glue guy in any job, you can't do that. But no. he just did. Would Tom Brady be able to get away with that? Yes. Why? 100%. LeBron could do it. With the Buccaneers? Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady airs grievances, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be like, yeah, thanks for the Super Bowl, but, you know, have a nice life. No, that's not going to happen. Tom Brady can do whatever he wants. They'll fire, fire whoever is uh, on his bad side just to appease Tom Brady. If right. you read between the lines with Tom Brady very cryptically, very uh, he was very passive-aggressive about it, he did that subtly as far as Belichick, the Patriot way. Well, of course. And his time in New England was. And you knew what he was saying, but he there's a handful of athletes yeah. in each sport that can get away with that. They're few and far between, but it is possible. Well, he just went postal on Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, you, you see it in all sports. I mean, in, in, in hockey... Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, they could probably do stuff like that. They won't. You know, hockey players don't really tend to do that, but they won't. Um, you know, you go to you go to baseball and Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout could probably say whatever he wants. The Angels aren't going to get rid of him. He's too good. Yeah. When no. you're when you're when you're too good. I mean, Mike Trout doesn't seem like the guy that would do that. I'm just saying there are certain players that could do that, that you're like, we'll deal with whatever. Imagine Shohei Otani right now goes off on the Angels. Yeah. All right. I mean, Trout's injured right now, but the same thing applies to him. 
Shohei Otani could say anything he wants. Yep. He's he's potentially a Cy Young favorite and an MVP favorite. And then blame his translator for misinterpreting <laughs> exactly. what he said. Exactly, there you go. <laughs> That's not what I said. I mean, it's a possibility. Fun conversation. Kerfuffle continues. ESPN Radio, Sportzilla Show, and uh, the Rangers Twitter, uh, the fan base, the cesspool of Twitter versus new GM Chris Drury's overcorrection to toughness. And Spencer's feeling some kind of way about this kerfuffle. Is is there anything valid to what the fan base is saying? There's yeah, there's 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 certain uh, validity to what they are saying. However, I think Rangers Twitter and the Rangers fan base is overreacting a little bit. Um, they're making this out to sound like you know they're 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 just signing goons. They don't have any talent left. They're getting rid of all their good young players. That's not the case. They have still a surplus of young, skilled players. They still have three full lines of young, skilled players. They have a great defensive core right now. But what we saw last year was the team lacked toughness. And I also can't stand people saying that Tom Wilson, you know, personally broke the Rangers. It's like, no, don't give him that credit. This is an issue that the Rangers saw against, you know, playing against a team like the Islanders. They don't have playoff ready players like they don't have that grit they don't have the complementary players they don't have the balance they don't have the balance and they needed those kind of additions i'm okay they haven't overspent for anybody they gave up a couple of guys have they gone too far in overcorrecting the toughness i think after they got ryan reeves last night if they continue to go after toughness that's when it's like all right all right. Bunk stops there. Yeah. So right now with what they did, they need to they like I'm good with what they did. Now they need to address and get a, a top center. That's that's my take and they'll be fine. They still have three full solid lines, but they'll have that grinded out tough fourth line, which is n- something they didn't have last year and you saw them getting manhandled by teams, not Tom Wilson. Teams, they could not play with playoff-ready teams. They just didn't have it. You have elite players in Zibinijad, and uh, you have the Norris Trophy winner, who's only 23. You have Panarin. Uh, you have an elite goaltender, a fantastic goal f- a goaltender. Yeah, you need a little bit of toughness. Uh, they needed this before the Tom Wilson situation. You're absolutely right. Yep. We have 30 seconds before a break. Don Mattingly should be in the Hall of Fame there is a bajillion numbers to back this up, and it's unbelievable to me that he is not. And I don't know why we decided to discuss the current Marlins manager, but we were just looking through baseball, and then Spencer and I went off a tangent on this conversation and spent 20 minutes looking at numbers. At least. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You're entitled to your opinion, but if your opinion is that Don Mattingly is not a Hall of Famer, you're wrong. You're wrong. Donnie Baseball was literally the best player, best first baseman, top 10 in the game for a decade. And you, the injuries at the end is one thing, but man, if you want to, if you want to stat cast error or analytics, analyze his numbers, give me a break. Dude's a hall of famer without a doubt. His comps to some players that are already in are right there. Uh, Spencer, I left you like three seconds. I'm sorry. Yeah, 100%. I'm just going to rip through a few things. MVP in 85. He is a nine-time gold glover, three-time silver slugger, six-time all-star. He had 145 RBIs in a season. He's a lifetime. He uh, bats lifetime 307, almost 1,100 RBIs. He only struck out like 30 times a season, basically. He is just incredible. You 343 break- batting average, 324, 352, 327, 311, 303. Those were consecutive seasons. Think about how important on base percentages he stacks up. Look at the strikeout numbers. Unbe- he, unbelievable. He would average, on the average, we rounded off about 10 
every 40 games. Wow. Yeah. You think about that and, and extrapolate that or compare that to the modern player. It's unbelievable. Put him in the Hall of Fame. We Pete don't have Rose a, should be in. All the steroid guys should be in. With asterisks. And he should definitely be in. With asterisks if you want, right, Glue? Absolutely. We don't have a grievance with the Hall of Fame. Right. We just can't figure out why he's not in there. This is ESPN Radio and the Sports Illustrated Show. We stop right there. Quick break. We're going to come back with Damon Amendolara, Orange Fizz creator, CBS and CBS Radio. That's where he works now. And he is, of course, an alum of the Cuse. All coming up next. Hang on. This is the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. So excited. Uh, we, it's, we're not even going to bother getting into the whole story. It was pretty funny. You just heard it on Twitch at QSportsTalk.com. Let's welcome in the creator of Orange Fizz, CBS Radio, currently and an alum of Syracuse. Damon Amendolara is with us. Uh, glad to get you back and reschedule from yesterday. Class of 2022 recruit and Syracuse target, Flip, Kyle Filipowski. Uh, you, 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 you did my Dude, thing, yeah. Spencer, I had the pronunciation perfect until you messed it up yesterday. Now I've got yours in my head. <laughs> Listen, Damon, we know who we're talking about. He committed to Duke, so it's it's one of those, ah, oh, darn, we didn't get that guy. Uh, we'll start there and get right into it with you. It's disappointing, but it's not surprising. You know, if you were tracking this like we were at the Fizz for the last couple of months, his stock just kept rising. There were more and more people that knew how great he could be. They were starting to, you were starting to see some real traction with his AAU stuff this summer where he was just proving to be the type of athlete that comes around very, very rarely. And we actually spoke to his AAU coach, and he said, you know, the difference with, with Filipowski is that there's no comp to him. And I thought that was kind of an interesting quote. He said, people ask me all the time, what type of player is he? And he said, I I don't know because he combines so many different skill sets. He goes, we might be comparing other people to Filipowski down the road. Now, look, that's a lot lot to, to talk about with a high school kid who hasn't done anything in college yet. But it's the type of hype that he was getting. Once he got the offer from Duke, it kind of felt like, okay, that's going to be the the offer to beat. I do think Syracuse was a very good finalist. I do think he was – Syracuse was probably in his top three or top four, but ultimately, once he got that offer from Duke, most people said, yeah, he's, he's going to be a Blue Devil. Well, that'll bring us to Kadir Copeland then. He's got his final eight selected, and he's given the date that he's selecting where he is going to go to college. Uh, that is August the 10th. I think we do have a better line on getting him in here. I mean, it's starting to turn into a pretty good class. What are your observations and, and what's caught your attention? I think it's already a very good class. In fact, I think it's going to be one of the best classes SU has had in a long time. When you start with Kamari Lands, that's a top 25 player right there, and he committed early back in April, and that kind of set the tone for this class. And I think my, my instinct is, having tracked this you know, over the last couple of months, is that whether this is Jim Beheim's second to last season, third to last season, fourth to last season, that's obviously up for conjecture. I think that SU, though, is going to go full-court press in the next couple of recruiting classes to give Beheim his, his final great shots at winning a championship. So once they got Lance, it kind of took some of the pressure off of the summer having to get other guys. So amazing, but then you bring in Justin Taylor, and Taylor, no doubt, liked the idea of playing with Kamari Lance, and that was kind of the focal point of this, of this class. So now you've got two kids that are top 50, top 75 type kids, and now if you get Copeland, it suddenly becomes you know kind of a, a, a wealth of assets. And I don't even think you have to get Copeland for this to be a winning class. I think already it is. 
But certainly with the transfer portal spinning the way that it does, it kind of creates a dynamic where you can never have too much talent because you kind of assume that somebody's going to leave or multiple guys are going to leave. But I, I think to this point in time, Syracuse fans should be very happy with this class, assuming that it's going to be Lands and Taylor at minimum. And I really like Kadir Copeland. I think that he's kind of criminally underrated in a lot of ways. Yeah. So if they do lock him in as well, I think that's an elite class they're bringing in. Talking with Damon Amendolara, founder of the Orange Fizz, also an SU alum. Uh, moving over to the, the football side of things, obviously coming up here in the next month, uh, you know, uh, looks like the team, at least at the moment, is coming into the season healthier, uh, in a better position to have a better year. What are your thoughts? Uh, should the team stay healthy? You know, uh, you think they're going to have a bounce back season? How many wins do you think are realistic for this team? Where do you think they're at heading into 2021? Can't be worse than last year. Probably can't be as bad as last year. So we start from the ground up. And this is tough for me because I actually have a real fondness and affinity for Dino Babers. Dino's joined me on my show many times. He is incredibly, you know, um, friendly. You know, he's warm. He's bright. I think he's he's appreciative and grateful of the types of opportunities that he gets, not only at SU, but has gotten across his career. He's not a guy with a huge ego. He has creative offensive ideas. These are all things that I really like in in coaches. But admittedly, last year is a disaster. Even for SU, whose football program obviously is not what it once was, that's a disgraceful effort last year. And so it has to be better or else he loses even more credibility. And I don't know what that means to the standing of of the the front office or the administration or the chancellor's eyes, the AD. But I, I just it has to be not only better in wins, it has to be a more competitive outfit. I'm optimistic that it is because I just don't believe Dino Babers is a one-win coach. I really just, at the end of the day, I don't believe he's that bad. And maybe he's not as good as a 10-win coach like we saw a couple of years ago when things broke their way. But there's some type of middle ground. And I think that SU, a bare minimum is three wins. And I think even the non-conference schedule, you can get close to that, if not all three of those wins. If now you're talking about winning one or two ACC games to get to five, that's not too much of an ask. I think that the quarterback situation obviously is questionable, but it should be better than last year. The offensive line can't be worse. And so I'm optimistic that at least we're talking about a 5-7 and seven campaign, which if it's 5-7 and seven and you have a couple of close losses, we can live with that. It just can't be a two-win campaign where you know that the season's over by the time you get to, to mid-October. Damien, we wanted to ask you about TBT, and do you feel like there might be some questionable officiating going on, especially when it comes to the Bayheim Army games? I love this question because there's questionable officiating in college basketball as it is. And then you add to this that it's kind of a, a tournament outside of the normal rules and regulations of college basketball, and you absolutely have questionable officiating. You have absolutely debatable calls, and You know, who knows why it happens, if there's a slant to one team or the other, but I'm I'm seeing the same thing you guys are. I'm going, well, how is that a foul? How is that not a foul? What what is the call there? What's the reasoning there? Where is the replay there? And uh, it can be maddening to watch the TBT and uh, know that, you know, of course, it's it's for charity and it's not, you know, college basketball games and there's not a Sweet 16 on the line or something like that, but it, it can be maddening watching somebody officiating in these games. What do you think of Chris McCullough? Is, we've talked about this a little bit, and you know, he's still young enough. Is there an opportunity? Can a door open up for him to get another opportunity in the NBA? Because his skill set, it still looks like it fits the NBA game. Uh, that, And then the follow-up is, 
there's been some different roles for some guys and I'm leading you kind of into what you're seeing out of Devo now, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure you can take it from there. I think that McCullough has always been this fascinating um, package that coaches always kind of drool over where mm-hmm. he's long, he's explosive, you know, his wingspan's great, his, his bounce is great, and it just never quite came together. And so I'm with you thinking, boy, he's still so young. There's got to be a place for him. But the problem is that college basketball and high school and AAU put out Chris McCullough's every year now. And so it's just hard to break back in once you're out. The G League has helped some of that. And I think that Chris Middleton's a really good example. Middleton was a second-round draft pick. Yeah. He ends up going to the G League. He gets very little playing time rookie season. He's a throw-in to the Brandon Jennings trade. And suddenly he's an all-star, the second most important player uh, on an NBA team that went to championship. But, you know, that took a lot of work. It took a franchise that believed in him. It took somebody that said, no, he's worth investing in. And that's the thing. If McCullough had that, you only need one person to really believe in you to give you that chance. And then you have to put in the work. I don't know. Has he exhausted that, you know, in his previous NBA stops? I'm not sure. But when you see him, you go, wow, he should be playing professionally somewhere. Oh, and then, and then the follow-up, uh, seeing Devo uh, accepting a different role and how the team is kind of over these past few games to get into this final eight of the tournament, how you've kind of seen that within the team itself. Like C.J. Fair is another one. He's been rebounding the basketball, you know, yep. kind of doing CJ fair things, but in your overall assessment of that on this team, especially having brought in some of those outside the orange family. Yeah, that was interesting that this roster was, was filled with so many non orange. I think we didn't know what to expect and could you fully embrace them and how would it all fit together? But I think you have to be pleasantly surprised by the guys that have come in and how they played and how they play together. And I think that the, the Devo storyline it's such an interesting one. I mean, when he's at SU, he's a hothead, hyper-emotional. We all know the image of him standing on the table at Madison Square Garden, pumping his chest. People hated him. Opponents couldn't stand him. And now to have kind of evolved into a, a bit of an SU ambassador slash, um, I don't want to call him a wise elder because you would, you know, you give the, the Dave Bings of the world, the Derek Coleman's of the world, the, those types of, of titles. But I just found it so interesting that Diebendorf has kind of evolved and matured into this this kind of steadying presence of Syracuse pride, um, and it's showing in this. And, and I, I think that's really cool. And I do think that it's been it's been encouraging to see a bunch of guys outside the program come in to be want to be part of this, and then you know equate into winning. So I, I think. Overall, look, the TBT is just a cool idea that in the middle of the summer, basketball fans get something like this to enjoy, and we get something to cover, and we write about this daily on the Fizz, and you guys talk about it daily. And it also is just cool to see the evolution of kids when they become adults and men from the time that we knew them at 19, 20 years old to now when you're 28, 30, and beyond. Isn't it crazy how we put people in a box? We do it all the time. You label somebody, and that's what yeah. they are. Yeah, human beings evolve if they choose to. Damon Amendolara with Orange Fizz, of course, and alum of Syracuse and CBS Radio. Let's do it again soon. We're always grateful for the time, my man. Appreciate you, okay? My pleasure. I love talking to you anytime, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. You do the same. You're Killing Me Smalls is up next here on ESPN Radio. QSportsTalk.com and the Twitch chat is where we're going to jump in next. Um, we have a couple of grievances to air, boys. Hang on. 
This is the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. You're killing me, Smalls. Roll your eyes at something in the sports world, Spencer. Matt. Oh, you got uh, Twitch going. Oh, did I hit something? Yeah. <laughs> I was. Res- you know what? I might have hit it with the mouse with with my hand when I was moving the mouse aside because I was responding to Pat, who's yeah. he's coming at me hard. He's, yeah, he is. He's coming at you. <laughs> I'll respond in a minute, Pat. Uh, that's QSportsTalk.com. It's always fun. He doesn't have Orange Nation or Axe to come at today, and we're the only live content on ESPN Radio on Fridays, at least for the next couple of weeks before it's full bore again. So he's fired up about something. He's airing his grievances. You're entitled to do that. Just remember, opinions aren't facts. You can agree with us. You can disagree. And you're willing to, or you're allowed to answer a question any way that you choose to. Absolutely. That being said, we're going to answer the question. Is it confusing the way the NBA announces trades, at least in the moment? Yeah. You know, like I'll give you one example. And there, there are a whole bunch of them over the two rounds. But the Knicks at 19, they took Kai Jones. Right. And then the next thing you know, it's, it's off to Charlotte. But instead, they should just say this is Charlotte's pick. Yeah. And it would be less confusing. Also, you said this, Spencer, when they're walking up there and they give them the hat and you're putting it on, representing the colors of the team, they think or you think they drafted you. It's like, yeah. whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, it's strange because for the television audience, you have Adrian Wojnarowski. Walsh dropping the bomb that, uh, you know, this player has been traded before the pick is even announced. So you're already in the know. Okay, this pick's going to the Charlotte Hornets. And yet then Adam Silver comes up and for the people in attendance at the draft, he just announces the New York Knicks select. And they don't really they don't really select like he should come out there and say the New York Knicks have traded the 19th pick to the Charlotte Hornets. And with the 19th pick, the Charlotte Hornets select. That is how it should go. Yes. Because it is very, very strange to see Kai Jones hearing his name called by the Knicks, hugging his family, going up on stage. Knicks fans are cheering. He puts on the the, the orange and blue hat, and yet he's there was never a moment where he's going to the Knicks. It's weird. It's weird. I it, can't stand it. Or so, when, they, when they come out and they say, you know, you see in the corner, the pick is in. Correct. And then they come out and they announce a trade. And at first you think it's a trade of that actual pick when it was a previous trade. Correct. That they were actually, right. I guess, dropping the knowledge on. And you're like, wait a minute, is this? And especially when you're waiting for your team's picks and you're like, I'm sitting there going, is that a Knicks yeah, like it, Knicks trade like or Walsh that, just said it, but is that different Knicks than the earlier trade of the pick, the 19th yeah. or the 20th? Like, what's going on here? So Bobby Marks explained why this was happening last night in the last few drafts. He goes, the teams are at fault for this. The league won't announce the tw- the trades based on Woj. Each team needs to finish the trade call in order for the league to actually announce the trade. And if there's players involved, they can't do that until free agency begins. This is so this is basically like still going on live while all of this Correct. is happening. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to figure that out. They've, Which is why you're seeing 10 picks later drafts or trades that were announced a couple rounds ago. We're getting uh, traded and, and dealt. Yeah, so if, you, if you're wondering who the Knicks, if you're a Knicks fan, and I assume a lot of you are, Quentin Grimes. It went this way. Rokas, Yokobitis, uh, I think. I'll learn that. Yeah, I know. It sounded like I sneezed, huh? Miles McBride and Jericho Sims are the players they ended up with. Uh, one was a stash overseas, a stash draft pick. Uh, but yeah, it is very, very confusing. So then uh, that Charlotte pick... 
here's the other thing, too. This is the one pick. I think overall, I, I like what they're doing. I think they had a good trade or, or a good draft as far as the Knicks, but mm-hmm. that protected pick with 19. So it's one through 18 in 2022. Am I right on this? Yes. 2023, it's one through 16. Yes. And in 2024 and 2025, it's one through 14. Yep. Or if they don't convey the pick, it's two second rounders in the future. So it's it's basically some draft capital, probably for some future moves that they right. want to make. Maybe they're playing the long game, which is weird because the Knicks didn't do that for a long time. Yeah, no, I, the direction they're going is is fantastic. It feels like they they have it together finally. They have the vision finally. You know, they don't need to necessarily build through the draft anymore. Now they just need to bring in complementary pieces. So I like what they're doing. They've essentially accrued more draft picks while also drafting some solid players to join this core. Also, they signed today Amir Sims, uh, undrafted free agent from Clemson. So uh, he's a forward. So another guy that they've added to the mix. So far, I really like the moves that they made, and I love the draft capital that they still do have because now they have pieces that they can move to make other trades and other moves. They addressed the point guard situation, and they still have a lot of money left over in cap space for free agency. We stop right there. Michael Lear is going to join us next. We're going to talk TBT with the professor who's been covering it for ESPN Radio. Uh, Bayheim's Army head coach Jeremy Pope will join us, and we should be able to lock in Devo Eric Devendorf for just a few minutes. All coming up in the second hour of the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio. This is the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. We have Michael Lear, the professor or the chef. He calls himself the chef when he gives his picks for the degenerate gamblers who are focused on the tournament in Bayheim's Army. Uh, the professors, I would like to call him. Well-traveled man. He's back in the Eastern time zone. He's in Dayton now, getting ready for the final eight of the tournament and the chance at a million dollars. There is a, a press availability for Bayheim's Army with Devo, Malachi Richardson, and Chris McCullough. We'll air QSportsTalk.com. That's our Twitch channel at 4 o'clock upon the conclusion of the SportsZilla show. Uh, but in general, uh, you've done a stellar job, Michael. And what are some of the highlights for you so far? What you've seen on the court, off the court, just this whole experience covering TBT for us here at ESPN Radio and CNY. I mean, the whole thing's been a highlight. I just love this tournament. It's so much fun. This is my first time. Well, I was a part of it a little bit in 2017, but this is my first time being at every single game and really um, with the team and all that stuff. So it's been so cool. The, the highlights have been the wins, but... Um, getting to see what I didn't appreciate about the tournament that I now have an appreciation for is the fact that all these guys are playing overseas and they never get to play in front of their family and friends. And getting to see family and friends at these games has been really cool, especially um, Keeper Sykes, Chicago, I mean, his kids and his family and so many people were at that game um, on Wednesday night. So that's been my highlight is seeing these guys get to play in the States who don't often get the chance to Michael, uh, that first of all, that was really cool seeing uh, Kiefer Sykes' kids kind of jumping over the railing at the end of the game last game. I, I, you'll, you'll love to see that kind of thing. Um, my question is, you know, look, la- last game was obviously the most complete game played by Bayheim's Army uh, so far in, in the first three games of this tournament. Was what you saw against Always a Brave more of what you were expecting to see from this team heading into the tournament? Yeah, I think we saw glimpses of it in each of the three games, but that was the complete game, as you said. Um, I think the one thing that you still see is a little bit of miscommunication in this cues, which 
Um, I think they'll have cleaned up, and that's just going to slowly get better, and then the tournament will be over by the time they really have that all together. Uh, but, yeah, that was the team that I expected, and um, the only thing that, that we didn't see in that game that we expected was Malachi Richardson to play out of his mind. So um, we know that that's still in him, and I don't think that's a worry. But I think knowing that you have literally at this point, it's safe to say every single person on this team can step up at any single moment. Uh, it's pretty cool, and that's that's what we expected. It's the talent to to back up when a couple of guys aren't playing well or if somebody doesn't have their shot one day, there's nine other guys that are going to have it. So practice was from two until about seven minutes ago for Bayheim's Army, were you able to observe? Um, and if so, uh, what did you see? What are they working on? Because uh, something that we've we've noticed, clearly the roles have been defined and this team has gelled and gotten better and better and better each game. Hence, they're in the final eight of this tournament. Yeah, I think what we saw, we actually came in towards the end of the Golden Eagles practice too. And um, the this game, I think, is going to decide the tournament. I think the winner of this game wins the tournament, and I think the guys are locked in and prepared for that. Um, so yeah, you're playing. Very, by the way, you're playing. The Golden Eagles are the defending champions of this tournament. I apologize for interrupting. Continue, Michael. Yeah, no, no, you're right, and, and they are still very good. They're the one seed in Illinois region, and this is going to be a, a fantastic fight to see who gets to go to the final four of this thing. Um, but practice was good. It was just maybe 20 minutes of actually working together, meaning working on play stuff. Um, but as you know, I mean, in this tournament, they don't have a lot to work on. It's, it's closer to pick up basketball than it is to um, X's and O's basketball. So they did about 15, 20 minutes of that stuff. And then the rest was just shoot around, get your legs. Everybody looks healthy, which is good. I mean, you know, bumps and bruises in here and there, but um, to go three games in six days and everybody come out of it, relatively healthy is certainly a positive too. And what have you thought of, we're going to be talking to uh, head coach Jeremy Pope in a few minutes. What have you thought of his coaching job and how you've seen, I mean, this is his first year taking over the team. Ryan Blackwell is still a part of this, but what have you thought of his job over the past few games? Cause he's, he's learning on the job, right? I mean, you get a collection of players together. You don't have a lot of time with them and you it's playground ish, but you've got to, make this team become a cohesive unit to get out there and win. This is still a very good level of basketball. Yeah, I think that his biggest strength has been not trying to do what he can't do. He knows that he's got a lot of basketball knowledge, but so does every other guy in that locker room. So I think Jeremy's been amazing for this team, especially this year with all these totally different guys that are from all over the place coming together because he makes it a collective group effort to try to coach this team he's not married to any one decision or any one way to do things um, and that can be in practice the guys come to him and say hey I think we should do it this way and then in games that happens too and um, he is the coach he has the final decision obviously and he's the one drawing the plays up but what's been awesome is, is how open he is to learning from I mean I'm sitting right here and there's four banners for overseas elite there's champions on this team that have won this tournament before so if you're not willing to learn from them you're going to fail and he's been very willing to um, let everybody coach with him albeit um, he's doing the job of keeping everybody together at the same time michael i can't remember if we've asked you this before or not but would you like to see the ncaa or the nba eventually implement the elam ending i don't know if it's if it's what you want at the end of an NBA game or an NCAA game, but it is amazing for this tournament. Um, I think that's Nick Elam's goal is to get it implemented in the NCAA or the, uh, or the NBA, but 
um, I think you'd have to see a time that change was really needed in one of those leagues. Like if, if you found that the NBA was falling off in a similar way to baseball had fallen off and they're saying, we need to change the game. How do we speed it up? How do we make this better? Maybe in 20, 30 years, something like that could happen. But I think this is the perfect environment for it. Um, Maybe you'll see it, and I think it could get more people to watch the NIT, maybe get more people to watch CBA or something like that. But um, I think this will this will be the extent of the Elam ending for a while. But I think this tournament's going to grow, so the Elam ending grows with it. It's, it has over the, what, seven or eight years of it now for sure. Michael Lear has been doing an outstanding job covering the basketball tournament, TBT, for us in Bayheim's Army uh, for ESPN Radio, of course. We're in the midst of the Sports Illust show as we talk to him. He is in Dayton, and on Sunday you're going to get a treat. Andrew White, Syracuse, I'm sorry, Bayheim's Army's representative in the 33-point contest. Uh, he did not qualify for the finals. Yes, this Sunday you're going to watch these guys shoot for $33,333, winner take all. To me, uh, with the way the game is, too, with three-pointers being so prevalent in the game of basketball, uh, this is a fascinating event. This is going to be fun to watch, Spencer. Uh, I mean, any favorites? Uh, you got anybody in mind? Or, Michael, you're, you're sitting there on the phone with us. Who do you think, based on what you've seen, could take this thing out of who's left? Well, I just think, I'm just hoping we're sitting here. <laughs> that's that's the real fun thing, is if, if Behan's Army wins tomorrow, they continue on to Sunday, and the 33-point contest is between games. So I think it's really fun. It's a bummer that Andrew White didn't get to move on for Bayhaw's Army. Yeah. I don't know who's going to take it because at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, who can score 33 points the fastest? It's a funky way to do the three-point contest because it's not the around-the-world that the NBA does. Um, it's however you want to do it. So that's going to be a toss-up. I think the winner will come from a team that's still in the tournament is what I would say. I don't think it's going to be a guy that – is just in Dayton for the ter- for the contest because it's probably a little hard to get into a rhythm if, if you're in that position. But if it's somebody whose team is still in there, I think that's going to be who wins it. I uh, I think my pick is Dusty Hannah's because how can you not? I think that I mean <laughs> with a name like that, I, I I'm going with him or uh, or Omar Strong. I like that as well. Connor Frank Frank Camp. Oh, I have, there's there's a lot of good names here. Um, there's I like a lot of good names. <laughs> I, I like how you're selecting. Wait a minute, we're yeah. gonna go with Jeff Ledbetter by from the, the Money Team because Pearl Jam, Yellow yeah. Ledbetter. By the but, end of this, I'm gonna have picked everybody. But David uh, Ledbetter, golf coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Michael, getting back to to Bayheim's Army. Um, you know, we've discussed kind of in depth uh, with a lot of different people how big these new additions have been. But I want to kind of key on specifically uh, DJ Kennedy and DeAndre Kane. Yeah. The chemistry that those two guys have on the floor together, the passing plays that they make, how good they are in transition together. You know, what have you seen from them? Because it's been pretty impressive to watch those two guys, you know, ball out together. Yeah, I feel like I'm saying Kennedy to Kane and Kane to Kennedy all the time on the broadcast, <laughs> honestly. Um, they're great. They've, they've got a great rhythm, and they've been playing together since high school. Um, they have just a very relaxed view of everything. When that, and that, I think that is just who they are as people, but it really helps in a tournament like this where it's so stressful and you get to the Elam ending and it's so stressful. It was so, it was interesting. Like the Elam ending when they were up 10, it felt stressful for everybody, I think. Um, And those two guys, they don't stress. They are very calm together and just very comfortable. I mean, overseas elite won this tournament four times and never, ever practiced. So they they know how to just be relaxed and kind of let everything come to them, and that's um, that's something you need. I think there's there's varying degrees of that where there's too relaxed, but I think the two of them provide the perfect amount of chill to this team, if you will. 
Isn't it great that something Syracuse basketball related, the tournament in Bayheim's Army, can literally make us want to talk about that as much as the NBA trade deadline, which ends in 45 minutes, and everything else that seems to be happening in sports, including the NBA draft last night. It's just amazing how it's all condensed. Uh, great to get some time from you, Michael Lear. Hopefully that you remain uh, where you are in Bayheim's Army continues. We thank you, of course, for the time. And yeah, Another reason is we want to talk to you again about the tournament and hopefully Bayheim's Army winning. But we're going to come back with our head coach, Jeremy Pope. That is next on the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio. This is the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. I love that the basically last two days of July, we can devote our focus and energy and fandom to a basketball tournament and get that cardiac cues feel, but it's not all Syracuse players this year. And we're fine with that too. At the end of the day, what matters is what's on the front of the laundry, Bayheim's army. We've got head coach Jeremy Pope online with us. Uh, Just got back to his room practice ended a few minutes ago. Want to remind you, Eric Devendorf, Malachi and Chris McCullough are going to be, are actually just underway with some media availability and at QSportsTalk.com on our Twitch channel. We will be airing that at four o'clock upon the conclusion of the SportsZilla show. Uh, Jeremy said to us right before we got on the air, he's grateful for this opportunity. Talked about how he's one of the youngins actually on this roster, but they trust him and they have faith in him. And that leads me to my opening question, Jeremy. Just from watching the tournament so far, and especially when they kind of take us in the huddle a little bit, the way you handle this team and your demeanor and the way you talk to these men and lead these men, listen, you know what you're talking about. The X's and O's are there. Your conviction is there. But your willingness to listen to the other voices in the room, so to speak, or in that huddle and adapt what you guys are doing has led to the success and this team getting better and better and better over these last few games. And here you are in the final eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not married to to any one way. I understand basketball is an art form. It's not science. Um, and you know, whatever I need to do in order to ensure that we win, I'm I'm okay with that. I've always been that way. Um, but as far as my demeanor and stuff like that on the court, I mean, in those huddles, like that's. I mean, we're at war at that point. Like, I'm not really thinking about, like, oh, this is Tyrese Rice, the Euro Cup MVP. Like, it's just, <laughs> man, we got to get this done and we got to get to it right now. And um, that's kind of where I go. And they understand it and they respect it. And uh, at the same time, in the midst of all that, I'm still able to listen and, and digest things. And um, and I've, I've, that's something I've worked on in my career, getting better and not being so wound tight so much to be able to, you know, listen and delegate things and listen. I mean, they're out there. Like, I, I play, so I understand. They see things from a vantage point that I can't see because I'm not out there. I'm on the sideline, and sometimes plays are going on on the, old, the other opposite end of the floor. So I have to listen. It will, it will be done with me not to. So I, it, it's, it's been good, and like I said, I'm grateful. It's got to be a little bit easier when you have – I mean, you look at this roster. There's so many options to put the ball in the basket. But my question is more leading on the defensive side of the ball. Listen, Syracuse is known in its Bayheim's army for the 2-3 zone, and we've seen that. But then per conversations, you decided, because uh, you listen to your guys, they're a little bit more comfortable getting into the man-to-man sometimes. And so making that switch on the defensive end, uh, what led you to that decision? Because it's fascinating to me. Uh, I thought it just it fits our team a little bit better to play man. And there's been times in the games, I, I, I am mic'd up. I don't know if they share everything that I say, but... 
Like, there's been times in games where in my mind, I kind of said, like, I plan on going zone at some point. And the game kind of just took a mind of its own, and it just didn't happen. Uh, I remember the second game, I think we had a comfortable lead, and I thought it was going to stay comfortable, but it got a little dicey. And all my plan was to finish out in zone because of the Bayhines Army way and Syracuse deal. And I just wanted to do that, to put that touch on it. But the game called for what the game needed, and the switch didn't happen. So the guys are just comfortable doing it. Tyree Rice, DJ Kennedy, and DeAndre Kane start for us. So more than half of the guys don't naturally know the zone, even though we went over it and talked about it and practiced it here and there. But they don't naturally know it like that. They're comfortable guarding and getting after it. And given our depth and our talent, I think getting after it helps us because when we do sub, there's another really good guy coming in that can get after it as well. So we like to be disruptive and get under guys and make them uncomfortable, and it's worked for us. This is the Sports Illustrated Show on ESPN Radio. We're up here on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line with Bayheim's Army head coach, Jeremy Pope. Yeah, Jeremy, I was just wondering how crucial Ryan Blackwell has been to you and the team stepping down to be an assistant coach while you take the reins as head coach and how crucial his experience has been with these guys. Yeah, Ryan has been invaluable. Um, Ryan has been the head coach of this team for the last, I think, five years or so. And for him to be able to take a step down and not feel any ways and uh, not in his feelings or he's not emotional about it, he's just doing his job and he helps me a great deal. Uh, so I, I'm able to bounce things off of him. He has a great disposition about himself. He's always even killed, as you guys know. So that's really good to have a guy next to me that's not riled up and all like over-emotional about it. Like, we can have conversations and think about it. Um, in the in the midst of the war. So Ryan has been great for me. Uh, he's helped welcome me to this group, and that's been amazing. Jeremy, uh, you said something after the game against uh, Team Heartfire, which I really thought stood out, and you said that you learned that when players talk, coaches shut up. And I absolutely loved that. Um, you know, And that being said, you mentioned guys like DeAndre Kane and DJ Kennedy, and we've seen the chemistry that they have on the floor, the leadership that they have brought to the table on the sidelines. So for your observations, taking a team who really a few weeks ago were guys that really didn't know each other, you know, what have been your impressions through these three games as you've moved on regarding how this team is gelling, not only on the floor, but also just in the locker room and on the bench? It's been amazing to see, to be honest with you. Um, I think from the start, preaching the right stuff between discipline and sacrifice and getting guys to understand that their teammates are really good players in their own right. Um, that was, that was, that's been our foundation. And I think because they understand that and, and know what the end goal is, that it makes it a little bit better. At the same time we have youth, we have some experience, we have some older guys. So I think just the blend of, of who we are as people, everybody's a high character person, number one. So that works and makes it easy. But at the same time, given the blend of experience and youth, um, you know, it's been good. And guys are respected. Everybody gets respect in our locker room. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it's played out. So how we've grown. And, it, and my whole thing, it would been really unfortunate for us to come out and, and and not be mature and this thing falls short in game one or two and not be able to see what how it's grown to, grown to what it is now. So we're three games in. We won all of them, obviously. And uh, I think we're only getting better as we continue to push forward. Yeah, you've got to be one of the favorites left in this tournament, but you're playing the defending champion. Marquette's team, or the Golden Eagles, up next tomorrow. Practice earlier today. I know you've scouted them a little bit. My question is for Jeremy Pope, Bayheim's Army head coach here on ESPN Radio and the Sports Illa Show, is what Bayheim cheat codes do you have uh, to help you in beating this team to move forward to the Final Four? Or can you not say anything? Yeah, or, or you just say, <laughs> you know what, uh, you're leaving it in Vegas, so to speak. <laughs> 
I mean, it's Marquette versus Syracuse. That in itself is a high-low situation. Uh, I know before we got in the locker room today before practice started, DJ was saying how he doesn't like Marquette. And he's like, man, they never really did anything to me. I just don't like them. They never, they never beat me. I just don't like them. So when you get DJ Kennedy not liking something and he has to go against it, then I'll take my chances. But, um, you know, we got guys who are hungry. And at the same time, like, we scouted them and we have to do our job. But at the same time, they got to guard us as well. And I think sometimes coaches overanalyze that aspect. You don't give your team enough credit because you're a little insecure. Um, so given our talent, the way our guys talk and communicate with each other, they've, got, they've given me a lot of confidence in not over putting my imprint on, on, on the situation. And uh, we're going to go out there and impact the game and put our imprint on it and make them adjust to us. So it's any cheat codes, I mean, yeah. about as much as I have. Well, I, I was wondering, I, I guess in a more general sense, it, Jim's uh, last name is on these jerseys. It's his army. He yes. thoroughly endorses and supports this team. And in a more general sense, uh, it's just got to be fantastic to be able to pick his brain uh, to get a conversation here or there and just some overall basketball insight from him. It's got to be invaluable. I think I know the answer to the question, but uh, your final remarks, we'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. Man, Coach Behan can be doing anything he wanted in this world. And he decides that when we're having training camp and having practice that he wants to spend his time in the gym with us, just watching, observing, not over putting, not oversaturating the situation. Uh, we had talked a little bit before I got up to Syracuse for practice, which was great. And then we connected again when I got there. So um, his support is, is is great. Like you guys said, it's his army. I'm fortunate to be able to lead it. And uh, you know, he trusts me. And uh, that's that put the confidence over over the top for me. So, like man, he's a living legend, and uh, I, I'd, I'd be dumb not to steal as much information I could from him. So that's just kind of how it's been. But we're we're grateful for his support and him being around, and you know that time spent with him has been amazing. This is Bayhams Army head coach Jeremy Pope on the phone with us. First of all, I appreciate you and the time. Thank you very much. And I tell you one thing, and here's why this team has been successful, and I think we'll continue to be in this tournament this year uh, with you in your first year leading them. Your mindset. In, in answering our questions and your thought process, it's pretty evident why uh, you guys have been successful so far with you at the top. Jeremy, thank you. Man, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Now, let's uh, let's keep winning and let's get Jeremy Pope back on the phone to talk about a victory in the tournament. It's ESPN Radio and the Sports Illustrated Show. Uh, we're going to try to lock in Eric Dievendorf next, depending on the media availability. Hang tight. It's the Sports Illustrated Show with Rain and Matt with WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Listen to this. Mic check. Okay? Good. Here's your sports sound check. Well, welcome back into sound check on the Sports Hill Show on ESPN Radio. And we twitch, and here's where. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. And if you do, at 4 o'clock, upon conclusion of Sportzilla, we will have an air for you. So you will see and hear Devo, Eric Devendorf, who is literally doing his media uh, right now, Malachi Richardson, Chris McCullough as well. Uh, it was nice to talk to head coach Jeremy Pope. Uh, I have So Devo texted me, and he's like, I'm literally sitting down right now. This is a few minutes ago. And I said, the second you're done, give us a text. We'll try to squeeze you in by the end of things. So we'll make this sound check rather short. Uh, hopefully, we'll get Eric Devendorf for a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll get there with a few other subjects, all right? So entirety is what you're going to see of Bayheim's Army's media availability and the players at 4 o'clock 
QSportsTalk.com. Make sure that's out there for everybody. Uh, I want to talk baseball real quick because Anthony Rizzo is now a New York Yankee. And that, to me, with that left-handed bat in Yankee Stadium, is great news when he joins Joey Gallo. Oh, guess what? Another left-handed bat in that short porch in Yankee Stadium. And by the way, Joey Gallo will be wearing number 13 for the Yankees. Ah, they're giving out A-Rod's old number. Good. I'm glad. I'm sorry, A-Rod. It's time to move on, buddy. It's not in Monument Park yet or retired. But Buster only talking about the Yankees wanting to keep Rizzo away from the Red Sox. Now that they turned around and pivoted and got Kyle Schwarber, which doesn't exactly suck for them. And that's a concern for the Yankees, clearly, especially with a few games still upcoming in Yankee Stadium. But these are Buster's words about Anthony Rizzo. I do wonder if part of the Yankees thinking was, you know what? We like Anthony Rizzo. He helps make us uh, more left-handed. There's more balance. He's a great defender. But we also keep him away from the Red Sox. I am shocked that the Red Sox did not finish a deal for Rizzo because Rizzo was an absolutely perfect fit for what the Red Sox need in this moment for their team. Instead, the Yankees get him. Yeah, good job. Um, Isn't that kind of how it happened with A-Rod, by the way? Remember, there was a rumored deal with the Red Sox, and then Cashman swooped in and got him from the Rangers. I want to continue with some words from Buster Olney, though. Uh, Generally speaking, on the moves the Yankees have made, there's 22 minutes left. Are they going to trade Luke Voigt and get a pitcher? Have we seen any breaking news on that? Because I haven't haven't caught it yet. So good. Uh, We're still on point with this audio from Buster Olney about the New York Yankees. Their chances for winning the division are... Absolutely uh, small. Like they, they probably are not going to win the American League East, and so they uh, effectively upgraded. Then, if, uh, if they don't win the division, for a shot to play in a one-game elimination wild card, uh, and you know what? They're they're taking their shot. They have spent so much money. They're right in the prime of the careers of Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton, and they got Aaron Judge for this year, for next year, and then he hits free agency. So they're going to take a run at it. Uh, and they arrange these deals uh, where the other team is taking on money so that they could stand under the $210 million uh, competitive balance tax. They clearly upgraded. Their offense is going to be better. Uh, they're, they're hoping that they can find that very narrow path into the second week of the playoffs. Trying to keep hope alive. Do you think they've done it? I do. I do think they've done it. I think a very big thing was they needed left-handed bats in their lineup. They now have two very formidable left-handed bats joining the fold. Um, They didn't give up too much in terms of their top-end prospects. They're also not paying the salaries of these guys. Uh, There's just nothing bad about these deals. Also, uh, Joey Gallo is having media availability uh, with the Yankees right now, so he is there. Um, you see him without the beard. He looks. He actually he looks good. So we'll take it. Um, my friend, I got to give a shout out to him. My friend Julian from uh, college from Hofstra uh, retweeted Joey Gallo is here, and he had a screenshot of Kim Kardashian West's tweet. He's here and he's perfect. That's awesome. So is he at the actual presser right now? Yeah, he he is. He is at the presser. I, I don't know if you can see this on on uh, Twitch, but. He's there. Oh, Joey Geller does look different without the beard. He does, yeah. But your friend is at the presser, or he's in oh, on no, the no, Zoom no, call. No, 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 My friend, my friend is just a Yankees fan. Oh, okay. and just kind of and, and and quote tweeted the picture of him that somebody had tweeted out. They but brought it into your timeline. They brought it into my timeline. So yeah, so that was that was great. But um, yeah, there's nothing bad about what the Yankees did here. And again, people are freaking out. They're back. They're they're pretty far back in the AL East. They're only like two, they're only two and a half games out of the wild card right now. 
they're going to be okay. And you know what? If they swept and didn't do whatever happened yesterday against Tampa, if they had won that, imagine they ended up getting one game against back against Tampa. It could have been better with a sweep, but they were just not there today. I think the whole trade deadline and everything going on probably took their heads out of it. Uh, we got one more piece of audio here in our sound check as we are trying to hook up with Eric Dividor, who is finishing TBT media availability right now. Uh, we'll stay in baseball. Now, it's amazing what the Dodgers have done with Trey Turner and Scherzer and all of that, much to the chagrin of Paulie and the Padres and all of that. But I think Yankees fans are more focused on the Red Sox, and they did acquire Kyle Schwarber, which is a great move for them. So I'm going to give you one last piece of audio from Jeff Passan. Their offense is really good. Their offense with him is better. To add a bat like Schwarber, who before he hit the injured list, was the hottest power hitter in all of baseball, it's just the rich getting richer. And the American League East, man, like when you see the Rays going out and getting Nelson Cruz, and you see the Red Sox doing this, and the Yankees getting Rizzo and Gallo, this is going to be a dogfight. And the Toronto Blue Jays are sitting there right now like, we got to do something because, listen, they're only two wild card spots. The Oakland A's going out and getting Starling Marte. They're staking claim to one of them. And the Red Sox and the the Rays are fighting at the top of the American League East now. Well, it's going to be interesting to see the Yankees going from behind if they can catch any of those teams because they got a big run that they're going to have to make to do so. You know what's crazy with the NFL and TBT and the NBA draft and all of that being condensed together right now? Major League Baseball is on fire. It really is. It, it really is. And is if, this the best deadline in probably a decade? This is oh, the yeah. most fun and exciting Major League Baseball season I remember in, in a number of years, it feels like. I'm a baseball fan, so I'm a little bit biased. But I think if you step back and you just look at it overall, it does feel like there's more electricity, uh, more passion for it right now. I'll put that out there. Finish. Give me 10 seconds. We got to go. Yeah, to break. No, I completely agree. I think if you're looking to generate some more interest in the younger generation and everything, having these moving parts and these big flashy moves can help do that. Um, but I will say, I think also a lot of it, too, is the fact that we didn't have a normal season last year and we're back to normality in terms of that. And I think that's certainly making it more special this year. Is it fair to say we took a lot of things for granted and maybe this was a wake up call in so many ways, not just in sports that we all needed. Yeah, possibly sports. Hill show ESPN radio quick break. Going to try to lock in Eric Devendorf. If we can get a couple minutes of his time before we're done. Q sports talk on twitch.com is where to find us. We'll get back in there. If any questions for Devo, assuming we can lock that in, let us know. This is the SportsZilla Show with Rain and Matt and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio. Radio. With no Brent Axe on Fridays and on the block, we might borrow a couple of minutes after 4 o'clock. He gives us an axe delay usually, uh, but at 6 o'clock we'll be on time with the Yankees on deck here on ESPN Radio and the SportsZilla Show. But we're able to connect. He just finished his media availability uh, from TBT uh, talking about Eric Devendorf. He's online with us. Uh, he sat down with Malachi and Chris McCullough, QSportsTalk.com on our Twitch at 4 o'clock. Actually, uh, we will air it in his entirety. So you'll hear Eric's remarks, and I let him know, and he's aware. We talked to head coach Jeremy Pope a little earlier today. We had asked him about practice and, you know, this team just coming together and evolving and, and stepping up and playing some more man-to-man and having all of these different options and everybody settling into their roles. And here you are in the final eight for a chance to win it, Eric. Uh, you got to be feeling good about the team right now. Yeah, feeling good. I mean, I was feeling good about the team going into the tournament. Um, you know, the type of guys that we have, just tough guys, competitive guys, experience. They're winners. Um, and 
then obviously we got a good mix of younger guys as well. Um, so I, I love the group, and, and I think each game we've, we've gotten better. You know, you've seen the first game, it was the first half, and then uh, second game, or excuse me, first game was the second half, and then the second game it was the uh, first half, and then third game we kind of put both together. So um, I think we're going to continue to get better and, and grow as a team. Obviously we don't have a, uh, a lot of time to, to do that, but um, I think, like I said, we, we have the group that um, knows how to play in this tournament. We have the guys who know how to play in this tournament, and uh, just looking forward to getting after a Saturday. Eric, you, you also had the number switch from 23 to 44, and i got to be honest, it threw me off for a half a second where I'm like, I'm just not used to seeing that on Eric Devendorf's back. But is it you're, in an, you're an elder statesman in this now. Is it with a new role that you're playing this year? Is that the reason you did it, or what was the reason behind it? I know it's probably a, a much-asked question, but I just I find it fascinating when stuff like that happens. Yeah, it's a, somebody else wanted the number. Well, actually, so last year, Mally was 23. I gave it to him and took two, and then mm-hmm. DeAndre needed two this year. So um, I took 44, and obviously it just worked out to be, obviously, the, the Syracuse number. Um, but uh, it was actually my old high school number. So um, just just decided to do that. And, um, yeah, man, I, I definitely have a new role, but this is what we need to do to win to win the tournament. You know, I could score 20 points, and but we lose the game. You know, I, we have guys who could do that. I, I got to come in and um, bring energy and effort, um, you know, defensively, rebound the ball. Um, and, and then when, you know, when I need to score, I will. I'll pick my spots and, and obviously get my teammates involved. So, um, you know, I'm just worried about winning this tournament, man. I think we got a great group, one through ten. Anyone can really get after it, um, and I'm excited about it. Eric Devendorf, uh, former Syracuse great, uh, now on Bayheim's Army. And, uh, Eric, yeah, you had a couple of nice drives last game, so you definitely score on the points when you can. But uh, you spoke a little bit about the team, everybody knowing their roles. We've discussed amongst ourselves how big the new additions have been to this team. But for you, you know, this outside help and guys who weren't necessarily Syracuse alums, what have they added from your perspective to this lineup? Oh, I mean, just their 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 toughness, their experience, uh, their winners, their leaders. You know, DJ and and DeAndre have won it, you know, four times, and you know, obviously Kiefer and and Tyrese, you know, two dynamic point guards. And I think that's what really we've been missing over the years is is a a real true point guard. And now we have two of them. So, uh, I mean, these guys have meant everything to us. That's why we reached out to get them, and we knew what they're going to bring to the table. And they've really got us over the hump, and hopefully, uh, you know, on our way to a championship. So how crucial has Jeremy Pope been for the guys? How are you liking his coaching style as opposed to Ryan Blackwell? Uh, I mean, both guys. I mean, you know, all those guys are involved in the coaching. You know, it's yeah. not just one person. You know, it's it's Belby, it's it's Black, it's Jeremy. So these guys have done a great job of coming together and um, coming up with a great plan and, uh, and, and just, you know, executing and getting after it. So um, I love the energy that Jeremy brings. Uh, he's young. He knows the game. And. Uh, he's been great so far, so we just got to keep it up. It's amazing to me to see the, the depth of this roster, and there's somebody on this roster that can do a little bit of everything. You need a guy that can get inside and get physical, you've got that. You need a little bit of size, you got a little bit of that too. You need some shooting, you've got that. you got guys, uh, obviously, that can handle the ball. Uh, you've got grit, you've got finesse, you've just got you've got experience. It's all there. Might be the best roster that Bayheim's Army has constructed. I think it's pretty obvious, right, Eric? Yeah, this is, we're definitely happy with, uh, with you know the team that we have, and uh, we think it's one of the most talented groups the TBT has seen, you know. So 
um, yeah, we, we're excited. I mean, the first three games have been great. Uh, we've been coming together, you know, each game a little bit more. Um, you know, now we just got to uh, finish it off with these last three, you know, one game at a time. The one and only Eric Dievendorf is with us here on the Sports Illustrated Show on ESPN Radio. I asked uh, Jeremy, I asked Coach Pope about the, the Bayheim cheat codes and, and, you know, his name being on the sweater that you guys are wearing and it's invaluable. And we have talked about your relationship with Jim in the past, and we got Jeremy's thoughts. But to have somebody be all like him with his stature be all in on this tournament and this team and what it represents to the Syracuse fan base, uh, just give us your perspective on that. Uh, it means the world. I mean, to have a, a legendary coach, um, you know, support us and, and support the school, like he does. I mean, he's, he's at the practices. He's, he's texting me and, and, and we're talking about it you know, throughout. So uh, it just means the world, you know, not only to myself, but the rest of the guys, the coaching staff. And, um, you know, he's, he's one of the best ever, you know, so just to have him even um, be around a little bit, you know, means a whole lot. So uh, we, we want to win it, you know, for ourselves, but we want to win it for, for him and, and Syracuse as well. Eric, uh, of course, you're familiar with the Twitch chat and Q Sports talk. You've participated in that with us before here at ESPN Radio. Uh, Kevin from in there is asking about you getting tossed down and that foul not getting called and your reaction to it. I, I mean, I, I couldn't remember which one it was. I mean, I've got, <laughs> I got tossed down a lot of times, you know, so my knees are all cut up and bruised up. These refs aren't, aren't calling anything. So, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm used to that. You know, I'm a physical you know, type of player. I go in there and play with contact, so it doesn't bother me. It's, you know, get up and get down on the other end and, and you know, get a stop. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go in there looking for those calls. I'm just going to go in there and, uh, and play my game. It's funny because you've seen that narrative amongst the fan base. Is these, these refs are letting you guys play in this tournament, and you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. If they're not making the calls, you just got to keep playing the game. Uh, have you taken a look at the Golden Eagles Marquette's team, scouted them a little bit, worked on some stuff in practice? I know there's not you can't tell us everything and give away the secrets, um, but, but what are you looking to do against them to get the win? It's the defending champions, Eric. Yeah, they're a great team. I mean, they, they play well together. Um, you know, they're familiar with each other. Um, they shoot the three ball extremely well. I think we have to limit their threes and um, try to contain that. Um, but otherwise, we just want to focus on ourselves. We, we want to make sure um, we get stops, and then we want to make sure we execute offensively because I think if we do that, um, then there's no one who can really stop us. We're going to get the shots that we want. Now it's about just knocking them down and uh, and then playing hard, playing physical on the other end. I think if we do those things and, and, and rebound the ball, uh, we'll be in good shape. We got one more question for Eric Daven- Eric Devendorf of Bayheim's Army. And, Eric, just year after year, you know, you – you playing in this tournament, being able to put on an orange jersey again to be able to play in a competitive atmosphere, just how much fun is this for you every year to be able to represent Syracuse again and play in something where the stakes are high? Oh, man, it's a blast. Just getting back with my brothers, you know, my family, uh, my Syracuse family, and, uh, you know, seeing all the support from Cuse Nation, uh, not only in Syracuse, but just from around the globe, all the alumni, you know, tweeting at me or sending me DMs just, you know, saying how proud they are of us. I mean, it means a lot, man. That's uh, I know I know Syracuse basketball means a lot to a lot of people, um, and I know how Syracuse fans are and how passionate and um, and emotional they can get about about the basketball game. So uh, I want to go out there and and uh, you know wear Syracuse with pride and, and go out there and, and um, you know put a good product on the floor and, and hopefully take care of business and 
uh, make Syracuse proud, even though I know they already are, but, you know, they do so much for us and support us so much that we want to make sure that, um, you know, we're able to do this for them as well. Devo, it's called Mission Accomplished. You've done that. We're always grateful to you for taking a few minutes of time to talk <laughs> to us you, on the Sports Illustrated Show. Absolutely, my man. Be well. Get some rest. Uh, we'll be cheering hard for you tomorrow. This is Eric Devendorf from the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio. And I think we're done, right? Yes. I'm not sure about what's happening on Twitch with the re-airing of their media availability. There seems to be a glitch, but keep your eyes right there at QSportsTalk.com. Matt and I will be back at 6 for Yankees on Deck.